Welcome to the Let's Talk About Talking podcast with your host, Adrian Fuller, language and communications expert for kids of all ages. On this podcast, we talk about speech, language, and all things happening with your child, giving you specific tactical information you can use to help your kids talk, listen, and thrive in their academic journey. Well, good afternoon. My name is Adrienne Fuller. I'm a speech language pathologist in the Central Florida area. Yes, Alicia is with us. I, you are on. Can you hear me? Because I'm using a mic today. Can you hear me, Alicia? Is my sound on real good, guys? Let me know. All right. All right. Well, good afternoon. It is February, the day after Valentine's Day, February 15th, 2022. I had an amazing day. And so I hope you had a good one too. I did want to share one thing with you. This is nap time, chat time, the time that we talk to parents about all things developmental, speech, language, and academic while their children nap. Well, today we're going to extend our audience to the school age range because I have an amazing, ther- uh, an amazing uh, educational psychologist that's going to be join- joining us shortly. And so... Before that, I did want to mention, I have a 19-month-old on my caseload right now. And so we started probably about three weeks ago, and she's she's very shy, extremely shy. Like, I don't push, especially in the beginning. So if a child's a little resistant, I let them have that feeling and let them know that they're safe in the therapy room. But so she stood far away and I had all the toys. I had an iPad. I had a toy that popped up. I had a toy. I had a drum. I had all these things. Well, today she was interactive with me for the very first time as in she walked toward me and started interacting with me. And do you know what the toy was? The toy was a soccer ball, you guys. A side, it wasn't a puzzle. It wasn't any of those things. It was a ball. She grabbed the ball and threw it to me and threw it back. And I labeled everything with my language. Do you want the ball? I'm giving you the ball in one, two, three. Use that activity at home. That's a great activity. Um, and it's also outlined in this book that I've written here called 30 Days to Get Your Toddler Talking. It's a 30 day step by step program to get your child for kids 18 months to three years old for parents and caregivers who aren't quite sure what to do. I always say it doesn't take the place of therapy, but it's a great in conjunction with, or if you're on a waiting list, these are things you can do right at home. It's available on, on Amazon. There's a link in my bio. I've pinned it right there in the comments. So avail yourselves to it. I think it's great. And so I did want to talk about that a little bit today, but I was so excited when that little one started interacting acting with me. I mean, great eye contact, all the things that are uh, exciting as a speech language pathologist that I see because language is emerging, interaction is emerging, which is one of the building blocks. So yes, I was so excited about that. Well, today I just want to jump right into it. And I have a, I have a good friend. Her name is Alicia Brockia. Braccia, I'm sorry, I'm murdering your name. I just, I just asked you to go live with me. And she is an educational psychologist. And a couple of weeks ago, I 
we used to see each other all the time, but after the since the pandemic, Alicia, I haven't seen you in a while. Missed you. <laughs> uh oh, I can't. Yes, so I am so glad to see you. She guys, she just got back. She's an amazing traveler too. I always love that about you. How was your trip? It was fantastic. Beautiful weather and eighties, and we got back to rainy and cold. We're like, we gotta go back. <laughs> Well, like I said, you guys, she is an educational psychologist. She has an amazing fair like practice in in Lake Mary. Lake right? Mary that... have an Orlando uh, satellite office too. And a satellite office. But what I get a lot from my my own friends that are moms, my sister's friends that are moms, are sometimes our kids it's it becomes very apparent that they are having difficulty, Alicia. And before that, let me just say, she is the owner of the Center for Health, Learning and Achievement located in Lake Mary, also in Orlando. Uh, and she offers a wide variety of services. Will you tell us just a little bit about your practice before I launch into all of my questions? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a multidisciplinary assessment team and intervention. So we do uh, counseling, we do uh, school, uh, psychoeducational, school neuropsych assessments. We do uh, planning and intervention for public and private schools, homeschoolers. Uh, we work anywhere from two years old all the way up through adulthood and look for um, things like dyslexia or we do autism spectrum evaluations, uh, any learning disabilities, ADHD, so the diagnosis and intervention for uh, children. And then we also work with families and do kind of uh, behavioral supports, family coaching, parenting within the home and in office. So just I have an amazing team of professionals. When families call, we try and uh, if we can't serve you, then we will connect you with someone that can. But if we can we're going to match you with the best person. Awesome. And now, do you take any insurances or are you private pay only? Good question. We don't bill any insurances. And this is why most of the assessment that we do is considered educational. Because mm -hmm. school psychologists with school neuropsych diplomats. So medical insurance really doesn't pay for things like reading disorder interventions or any kind of learning disabilities. They may cover medical conditions that we diagnose like autism. Mm -hmm. They also cover like um, ADHD. That's a medical condition. Mm -hmm. We don't pull the insurance, but we are a family empowerment scholarship providers. So they will pay us for the assessments. And we also do something that's that a lot of parents don't know about that they have the right to. So when a public school does an evaluation, whatever evaluation they do with the school psychologist or the speech and language pathologist or the occupational therapist, a parent has the right to a second opinion and the public school has to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So do a lot of second opinions where the parents have got have gone through the process in the public schools. They've gotten very limited information from the evaluation that was done. And 
they request an independent evaluation and they choose our organization. And we work with about 11 counties around the state of Florida to do those. We contract with the school and then the school will pay us. So that's a way that we get around medical insurance because mm -hmm. medical insurance doesn't always cover our services. The public schools would cover our services. So we kind of work with families to walk them through that process of what they're what they have the right to. Mm -hmm. That's a really, really good point. If so, let's talk about the school aged parent who has an IEP or is first let's say if they're concerned and but they're like I know what happens and you know what happens when we get in those school IEP meetings. Sometimes it feels like these lives are bashing the schools. I am not, I love the schools. I came out of the schools. They do what they can, but they sometimes do. those site, those psych reports, even from the schools don't really give me the information that we're looking for. If I'm yes. appearing at that meeting, the exact wording I need to use is I would like to have a second opinion and I'd like for such and such to do it. Is that how yeah. it works? I actually have them write a formal letter. I have a form letter that they can use to actually write a letter. And then I always say submit it to two people because you want to submit it to like either the staffing coordinator or guidance counselor and then submit it to the principal as well. Mm -hmm. Don't email it because they can always say, we didn't get it. Mm -hmm. You're gonna hand deliver it to two people and then they can't play that game. Yes. Once they receive the, uh, the letter, they have to submit that to the district office. We work with the uh, coordinator, the head of the departments that coordinate independent evaluations and then they either send, some districts will send a letter to the parent basically saying, yes, we're agreeing to this or no, we're not. Like Orange County will send a letter. Mm -hmm. um, other counties will call directly to us and say, we've received this request. They want you to do it. And then we submit estimates. So every county does it a little differently. Um, but, the, but I always recommend putting it in writing and date it and hand deliver it so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Very good, I love that, hand delivering it. Okay, so let's back up just a little bit. So if we have, I'm just gonna tell you, I have a friend and her child goes to a private school and yeah. child is maybe a seventh grader at this point. And the, all, all along we've seen learning difficulties. Well, this parent is really not sure what to do what would you say that the steps, I referred them to you, by the way, but what oh, that's would you great. say that the steps would be, if there's a parent in the private setting that yep. thinks that the child has difficulty? So parents do need to know that even though a student is in a private school, the public school has a non-public office. The public school is still required under the child find law to identify children with learning disabilities. So the parent can still request an initial evaluation through the public schools. Again, it's a process. They do, they, 
I have a form letter for that too that they could use. Um, and they submit it to the non-public office. Uh, and then they go through some procedures of getting, making sure that the p private school is already doing some interventions that mm. that, and collecting data that that hasn't really worked well. And then a school psychologist from the public schools will connect with the family to do a psychoed. Again, it's pretty minimal. They'll do an IQ test. They'll do achievement testing. They don't always, some do not, I mean, some are great. Some do just what they have to do. And the IQ and the achievement doesn't necessarily answer the question of why the child is struggling. So that's where our assessments come in. They can come directly to us, just call the office, the, and we have a free service that's on our website. So if they go to the website, which is chlafl.com, on the home page, there's a green tab that says patient forms. They click on patient forms. And the very first form is called Parent Questionnaire. It's a really extensive intake packet, full social, medical, educational history, mm -hmm. half of it are some checklists in different areas of development. And then it can get submitted through the website, or if it's easier, they can scan it and email it to me. My email's on the website too. We take a look at it. And like you probably see, parents don't know what they need. That's mm -hmm. our job to figure out based on this information, what's the primary questions that we have to answer? And then we're able to figure out what kinds of assessments are needed and about how long it's gonna take. Mm -hmm. Because we either do diagnostic testing where we're just looking at specific areas. So let's say the child's issue is reading. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't have to do a full psychoed. Uh, we just focus on reading and why they're struggling in reading, and more importantly, what to do about it, right? I mean, that's what you want. You want to know what's going on and then what to do about it. Mm -hmm. So we, we uh, do the diagnostic hourly assessments. It's 185 an hour. And that parent questionnaire really helps us figure out how many hours we're going to need. If we're just looking at reading and possible dyslexia, it may take two, maybe three hours. Mm -hmm. um, question is attention deficit disorder. That's an hour and a half. So you don't have to drag a child through a full psychoeducational evaluation unless there's a lot going on. And we can see in those parent questionnaires, if there's just a lot going on, we don't want to miss something, then we do a full comprehensive school neuropsych evaluation. And that's seven or eight hours. It's over the course of several days. We meet with the family. We also will go to the school with them or do a virtual meeting with the school, whatever is easiest for them, and go over the because again this is what the family wants mm -hmm. they we never just hand them a report and say here you go this is we give uh, this is what you do first this is what you do next we'll go to the school with you and we'll talk to the school about our findings and how who this child is as a learner what kind 
accommodations or supports they may need. So we really, you know, we really try and go from the very beginning and lead them right down the path to, okay, here's what you do. I love that. And let me say that I know, first of all, I always appreciate when people are very transparent about their pricing and what they charge yeah. because I was under the assumption that this thing was going to be 15, 1800 bucks. But for what you're quoting to me is doable for many of our parents. For, for many. Those, yeah. And for those who yeah, are exactly. not, can they, I'm thinking now I could be wrong, but like, some of our parents get like, I don't know if they can use this like McKay, but maybe like Gardner, or even if you have social security funding, that would be great use of that money for that yeah. because if you're getting what is the problem and what we need to do to fix it. And when we go through the schools, yes, and how the school can fix it. And like you said, you don't hand over a report and say, well, this is what it is you're walking with the parent on the journey, it sounds like. Is that right? Exactly. Yep, we really do. And we try and be a resource to families. So, you know, if we did do a full psychoeducational evaluation, that really extensive one, that's $1,695. So, yes, it's that. But we don't always have to do that. Right. That's why we do this free parent questionnaire intake so we can all get on the same page on what's the most relevant for this child and this family i love that we may start doing that as speech builders hey what yeah. do we need to do i love that yeah yeah i think we're one of the few practices in the area that don't just blanketly do full psychoeds. Yes. We really just try and target what the questions are and get them the answers that they that they're looking for. Very nice. That's and and parents, if you find a t a member of your team, because I believe that we need to be teams with our parents. We need to team up. Yes. Alicia is a wonderful team member because that is what she's not just looking to, you know, hey, this kid needs a psycho ed eval. She's looking for what is the, what's the problem and let's try to pinpoint and fix that. I love that. And also, if we review that parent questionnaire and we see this is not really us, we will refer to you. We'll refer to other organizations that would be most appropriate. That we just had a case today where the it's a very medical case. And so we are not clinical neuropsychologists. Our focus is the brain and learning and developing learning plans. This child needed more medical. So we referred them to several different clinical neuropsychologists. That's a more appropriate referral person to do it. That that's, I love that. One more thing I wanted to talk about is, is are, are your gold standards autism evaluation? Is that new? Or have you always no, we've been, no, we've been doing that a, for a long time. The, the autism evaluation is very specific. Mm -hmm. So um, the, we, there's two parts to it. The first part is the ADOS, Autism Diagnostic Observation Scale. Mm -hmm. It's a series of activities. We usually start with children at around two and go, we actually just uh, assessed a, an adult for autism, like last oh. month. 
So, yeah, so the ADOS goes from a very young age all the way through adulthood. There's different levels. So we do the ADOS, Autism Diagnostic Observation Scale, with the, with the um, client. And then the second part, and this is really important, is uh, it's called the Autism Diagnostic Interview, the ADI. Um, and that's actually done with the parent because it's an extensive clinical interview that's looking at early markers of symptoms for autism. Now, both, both of those tests, the ADOS and the ADI, are scored. So it's pretty objective if the child is on the spectrum, what level of severity they are. And if they're not on the spectrum, what do you do about it? What is it? Right. So um, so that assessment, because it's so specific with the report, that's eight hundred and fifty dollars. And we take payment plans. Um, the uh, we are typically if you go to a developmental pediatrician, they're also in the area. There's three of them in the area that do the autism evaluations. Mm -hmm. They're usually six to nine months booked out they are i can attest yes. to that guys all the time six to nine months no joke but you have like a smaller window right three to four weeks. yeah we're usually we're booking about um six to eight weeks out wow oh my god yeah. when this flyer came out it was three to four weeks and now it's already six to eight weeks but i'm telling you unfortunately i know unfortunately but I believe the pandemic has just increased the need for services across the board. You are no different. We are no different. And so yeah. parents, and I do want to say parents, when you get that call and when you say, when you hear six to nine months or six to eight weeks, make the appointment. Yeah. If you don't want it, cancel with appropriate notice. But like some parents hear that they hang up the phone and keep looking, but that doesn't go down. So go it ahead and make that appointment. Yeah, yeah, yes. it's true. And mm -hmm. the earlier that you can get the appointment and the diagnosis, the more funding mm -hmm. you can get too. And insurance tends to reimburse more. They mm -hmm. can sign up gardener slash family empowerment scholarships. Mm -hmm so that they can get funding for intervention. And that's the key for, some, for a little one with autism is you want intensive intervention early because early. the prognosis is so much better later on than if you wait uh, for it. So yeah, find out now because then you know what to do about it. Yes. Knowledge is power, right? It really is. Find out what to do. Yeah, I always tell parents, let's diagnose and rule it out because we've sent many kids, Alicia, and, and some of, many of them come back as ADHD or yeah. not on the spectrum at all. But if it's yeah. hanging over your kids' heads and in your head and your te the kid's teacher, there's something about that that is unsettling. I can't even explain it, but we, I feel like we need to know the answer. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, then you know what to do. So actually, we do get when we're doing autism evaluations, we uh, sometimes will get communication disorder, mm -hmm. right? It's not autism. It's a language delay. So it's pragmatic language. Well, they're going to go right to you and mm -hmm. do pragmatic language therapy. Mm -hmm. um, it, so it's important to 
not not only find out what the specific thing is like i hate when they say well it's a specific learning disability well what specifically is it and they can't tell you what specifically it is right <laughs> uh, so we're like specifically saying what it is and specifically mm -hmm. saying this is the most appropriate efficient effective research-based intervention based on this specific disability yes ah oh. I love that, God, parents, please, please, please listen to what we're saying. And we say it, I said it, Landria was on our, our, our live a few weeks ago. Kaylee Jackson said, you know, just because you have a diagnosis doesn't mean, doesn't make your child any less magical, any less wonderful. You just know the information. So I love that you said the earlier we get the diagnosis, the more funding, because I've literally seen parents like that kids get that diagnosis at four, but by the yes. time they're five or six, that funding gets snatched. And it's like yeah. from like 40 hours a week, ABA or whatever, to like almost nothing. So get it early parents. We can't express that enough. Yeah, absolutely. And you had mentioned McKay Scholarship a little while ago. Just tip for clarification, McKay Scholarship is for private uh, schools. Yes. So they can't, pay, they can't pay for assessment themselves, but if the private school has extra funding from McKay, then mm. the private school could pay for our service versus the Gardner Family Empowerment Scholarship. The parents can pay directly or we can pay, we can just go right to the uh Florida Empower Family Empowerment Scholarship, and they will pay us. So it's just a little bit different who pays who. Have you had a private school pay you that way? Once in a while, usually the private school absorbs all of the McKay and doesn't have anything left. Yes. But schools sometimes where they'll say, no, we really need to know what's going on so we can teach this child. And so they will fund it. We do have private schools who fund some assessment. Okay, wonderful. Alicia, I really appreciate it. Any last words, anything, if you could tell a parent with kids struggling in school or a parent who was concerned about their child being on the spectrum, what would you say if they're on the fence or they're not quite ready to hear it yet? They're like, you know, no, they don't have it or no, there's, they'll outgrow this reading difficulty or this learning difficulty. I was just this way. What would you tell that parent? I would say that if mothers and fathers have this internal little thing, right? It's this sense that it's a question, like something's up, not quite sure what it is, but there's something there. Mm -hmm. So find out what it is. And then it puts everybody's mind at ease. They also need to know that whatever we're doing is completely confidential. Yes. So we're going to share this information with them. These are our findings. Uh, this is what, based on those findings, should be done. And then they can take it and say, okay, I'm ready now, or I'm not quite ready now. But that's okay. At okay. least knowledge mm -hmm. so that when they are when and if they are ready they have the information 
instead of just having this little sense that something's up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I just, I almost am moved to tears because yes, if you're not quite ready, get the information anyway. Pack anyway. it away until you're ready to deal with it. But it's better than waiting, waiting, waiting. And then it's like the parents are on fire trying to get the, the, the resources and everything together. So yes. only yes. coming from a pure place, the, us as caregivers and, and providers, because we just want to make your journey easier, your child and yours as parents, right? Yes. You don't want to be crisis driven. No. You want to be proactive. And take care of it early. <laughs> take care of it early. You guys, oh, Alicia, remember, guys, she is at the Center for Health, Learning, and Achievement. And that website is chlafl.com. Yep. She has some great resources on that website. She has an amazing team. Please, please, please use her as a resource. You may find that the money that you've spent for the peace of mind that you'll get and the knowledge is well worth that. And yeah. so thank you. And so the first much. step, is, the first step is free. They just fill okay. out the parent questionnaire and they can choose. We give the recommendations. They can choose to do it with our organization or somebody else, but it's free. So uh, the parent questionnaire is a really good place to start. I also answer almost all the calls. So if they just have questions, just call our number. Our number is 407-718-4433. Uh, You'll probably get me. And I spend a lot of time with families just to educate them and, and help answer as many questions as I can. Use the content, use her as a resource, everybody. I wanna say thank you so much for this season of Nap Time Chat Time. Thank you, Alicia, for being on with us. We will be taking a break for the next few weeks, but we'll be back with more guests and more information. But thank you, thank you, thank you, Alicia. You guys thank take care. Bye. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to the Let's Talk About Talking podcast with your host, Adrian Fuller, language and communications expert for kids of all ages. You can grab Adrian's book, 30 Days to Get Your Toddler Talking, on Amazon or at speechbuilders.org.